welcome back to the Game of Thrones Flashcast, the only Flashcast on the TV podcast that doesn't have a cool name. (laughs) I am Monty Ashley, not Jason Snell. Jason is on assignment or something. I am, of course, joined by Brian Hamilton. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Uh, This is going to be a good episode. That's right, it is, because we have... As our third chair, special guest, Kelly Gamont. Hello, Kelly. Hey, I'm really excited to be here. Apparently, I've just been knighted into the Flashcast <laughs> army, and I'm pretty pumped about it. So, Kelly, do you like King- Game of Thrones? A whole really lot. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. How do you, do you like the books as well? What's your, what's your whole... Give us a... What's your situation? My bona fides. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gatekeeping. Who are you? Okay. Uh, How many well, thrones can you name? <laughs> if you really like uh, Game of Thrones, name their last three albums. <laughs> so, interesting story. Uh, so, I, I'm I'm partly through the first book. I have not read the books. I started reading the books as a result of the show. Um, but uh, what has been interesting to me is that my husband, the uh, infamous Mr. Kelly, uh, has been... Uh, asking a lot of questions in the run-up to season eight about different things and like what about this and was there that and then he goes and watches some videos on youtube and then comes back and asks me more questions about things and it turns out i know an awful lot more about this stuff than i actually thought i did initially (laughs) because like no no that's not true because there was this other thing that happened or that's not actually where that sword ended up because it's whatever and so I didn't realize I had as much of this knowledge that I'd sort of picked up over time as apparently I do. Um, I I do really love uh, Game of Thrones. I'm very excited to be here, and I've watched every season. I think I started lot like as they aired uh, with season two. So uh, I've been uh, I, I've been with it for an awful long time. It's that. been so long, hasn't it? <laughs> it really has. Well, let's get into this episode, season eight, episode two. Title just posted: The Rightful Queen. Oh, interesting! Yes. It's episode so, sixty-nine as well. Nice. <laughs> all right. And this episode, normally Kelly, what we do is we like go. We'll do all the scenes in one location and then go to another location. Okay. Th- this time, all of the scenes are at Winterfell, so that's where <laughs> we are. Which is all interesting right. because the. Opening title sequence also includes Last Hearth and King's Landing. I wonder if it's not going to be dynamic this season. Only a bit of Last Hearth. Like, it and the wall get, like, panned over. Yeah. Winterfell and King's Landing get the full new, like, multiple level sequences. And by the time we got to the end, I think it was clear why the throne was such a prominent part of the credits. It was a prominent part of the episode. Well... The episode starts with Jamie's trial. As you all remember, nobody <laughs> likes Jamie Lannister, and here he is trying to help. Uh, specifically, Daenerys is a little complainy about that time Jamie killed her father and sat there watching his blood pool on the floor or whatever. As you do. Uh, I will you say, know. all of her stories about how they were going to take revenge on Jamie, she has to know those all came through her brother Viserys, who was a drip. Like, yeah. Nobody liked Viserys. Even she didn't like Viserys. No. Uh, Jamie did bring news that Cersei has the Iron Fleet and the Golden Company, and we have to take it on faith that the Golden Company, although we never heard of them before last season, they're a very powerful <laughs> army. 
this is what we hear, yes. Yep. Deus Ex Machina. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we learn that Daenerys does not trust Tyrion just because he was wildly incorrect about uh, whether Cersei was going to help. Now, to be fair, I believe she has some grounds there. Because, oh, yeah. Because, like, we, I don't know that we've ever really seen her tell any tell anyone out especially anyone outside her family anyone that doesn't have her last name something is going to happen or was going to happen and that and meant it and was sincere and took some sort of action to make that thing true unless it was you know your downfall like yeah you know yeah um then just in case there wasn't enough tension sansa reminds <laughs> us of that time that jamie attacked her father ned in the streets that was yeah. a cool season one episode. We just kind of covered that in our uh, retro flashcast over the uh, winter. Yeah, that was fun. What I enjoyed about this is that it's a fun little recap of all the things that Jamie did that we don't like. And we as the audience know he's kind of been redeemed. But this is the first time since all this terrible stuff went down that anyone in the show has seen Jamie for a very long time. So I enjoy that like this scene happened to kind of reestablish what his role is with everyone else. But also it was fast enough that it didn't bore the audience, which is like, there was a lot of stuff there that we already knew that they just needed to, as you know, Bob into the characters in the show. Right. And it's been interesting to watch how people have sort of come together in these, in these first two episodes all around, right? Like Sansa and Tyrion and us realizing we've been with each of them sort of all along, but, re- but you know, in that moment, realizing the two of them haven't seen each other since Joffrey got got and realizing that like <laughs> these two people haven't been in the same place at the same time since whatever season that was, right? And so watching all of that, all of that stuff come together and the reminders of those relationships, like the little tiny moment that we'll get to later with uh, Podrick and Tyrion and the moments of different other people coming together and having these conversations and, and sort of catching up has been really fun to watch because as you said, Brian, um, they've all been sort of a moment for those people, but nothing where everybody just sort of stands around for way too long discussing something that all of us already know about and want to move on to the next thing before they're done. Exactly. I will say I wish they would have done a little more on Theon because Jamie gets the whole list of here are all the reasons everybody's mad at you. <laughs> and then, of course, yes. Brienne stands up and says, I trust him and I'm the greatest, most honorable person in the world. So you should all trust him, too. <laughs> and Basically, yeah. Then Sansa says, well, I trust Brienne and Danny looks a little mopey, but Jamie gets his sword back. Now, don't you think that's where that got decided? When, yes. Because Sansa was probably ready to also hang him high and then realized after Danny said her piece that she could scrape up another man to put in the army, but also kind of torque off Danny in the process. And so Sansa was immediately Team Jamie in that moment. I, don't I feel think like that's, that's exactly why. what's happened. I don't think that's why. I felt no, but it, I was, think it was a bonus. I felt it was entirely Sansa going, well, if Brienne says it, it's good enough for me. Like, I don't think Sansa is trying to antagonize. Daenerys I don't think she is. Point. I think it was gravy. I, I don't think it's one of her goals. Oh, no, I don't think it is either. But I think if it's an as an added bonus, she can do something to to uh, make Danny a little grumpy. I think that it helped. That's all. 
I enjoyed that the Unsullied was there with a sword ready to give out to someone. Like, that was a nice little treat for me that oh, really? it was just kind of there, ready to distribute a sword to anyone who Daenerys thought was worthy of fighting. <laughs> I thought it was just Jamie's sword, and when yeah. he got there, they took it, and then they gave it back to him. Oh, that was Jamie. Okay, mm, thank you. I stand corrected. It's nice that they had it handy, so at least there was... Oh, yes! <laughs> the possibility was on their minds. Well, he was going to get that sword one way or another. It was either going through the middle of him or it was going back on his belt, so... <laughs> then we move on, and after that scene, I feel that this episode is a long series of really short conversations. <laughs> because so much of the cast is crammed together now. Yes. Like, like I... Because of the way I take notes, I have them labeled, and I've got 21 more scenes coming oh up. Oh, my God. gosh. And so many of them are, so uh, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> yep. And then move on. Yep. So right after that, Daenerys is furious with Tyrion for sticking up for his brother. Mm. Uh, she says he's either a traitor or a fool, which mm-hmm. she might be right, but... She chose him to be hand. P- Kings on this show do not like their hands, is one thing I've learned. <laughs> well, and the thing that I did notice about this was the thing that, that Jorah mentions later, which is uh, he owned it because as soon as she said, um, you know, or you're a fool, he said, I'm a fool. And totally owned up to it and was like, okay, yeah, I screwed up. Now what do we do? You know, and was trying to sort of like this is still the moment that we're in and what sort of action can we take now that we're here? Last week we talked about how I think the theme of this season is the fact that Daenerys is not as fit of a ruler as we think. And that really played out in this scene where Tyrion is moving on, admitting he's a fool and wants to fix it. Whereas Mm -hmm. Daenerys is the one hung up on, uh, on, on Tyrion screwing up. Oh, yes. When we get to the end of this scene here, uh, I said, look out, Danny, your Aegon is showing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then we start checking out the whole rest of the castle. We first go to the forge where Gendry is supervising all of this dragonglass forging. And then Arya comes up and wants her fancy weapon that we still don't know anything oh, about. I want cuts, she says. Yep. Um, he thinks she should hide in the crypt. Which <laughs> so few of the named cast understand what a murderer Arya is at this point. Yes. She explains, I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. I and look then, forward. Yeah. And then just throws, shows off her knife throwing. So, Man alive. Right next to that dude's head. And like, I almost, <laughs> I, was wait, I was basically waiting for her after that entire conversation was patting Gendry on the head to actually pat him on the head. Yeah, Gendry, you don't get to condescend to Arya. She's <laughs> way more important than you. This was such a nice reminder that Arya is a freaking death machine. Yeah, oh, man. Yes. All right. Then we start a little tour of Jamie checking in with people. He starts at the Godswood, where he says hello to Bran. Uh, we thought Bran didn't remember anything, but in that little <laughs> trial scene, he did say, the things you do for, love. for love. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh. I screamed when he said that. <laughs> I did, too. It was so good. So uh, Jamie gets a chance to apologize, and Bran basically expresses some sort of character growth theory that 
if you hadn't pushed Bran, you'd still be a selfish Lannister, and I'd be boring old non-three-eyed raven Bran. So I guess he's okay with the whole thing? Yeah, he said, I'm not angry at anyone, which is, like, I, I guess enough evidence. But last week we talked about, or I mentioned at least, how I'd forgotten this whole storyline was not resolved. Like, they just move on because Jamie leaves King's Land, or uh, Jamie leaves Winterfell in the first episode and Bran just becomes Bran for the rest of the season. But right. in a way, it kind of was resolved, right? Because there's nothing that this truth can do because Jamie's just one guy and they've already seemed to... Uh, resolve him being there i always thought that this would be somehow the downfall of the lannisters but at this point in the series i don't think that's going to happen right but also my question about this was um that because they do have that conversation uh bran isn't in the i don't know what you call that part of winterfell the courtyard anymore the entry um and remember he said he was waiting for an old friend and I wasn't always convinced that it was Jamie, and so I wonder if he's still waiting. Ooh, interesting. I, I'm sure it is Jamie. Who else yeah. would it be? Well, if he's the three-eyed raven, the three-eyed raven could be waiting for a lot of people. Yeah, could be anybody, really. He's got a very busy calendar. <laughs> could be the Night King. The Night King is always looking for the three-eyed raven, I hear. Right. But also, like, I wonder also about, you know, some of, like, the Children of the Forest and, and some of that. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't... Here's the thing is, I don't know how much of this stuff is going to come back, and I don't know how much payoff we're going to get in some of these things that we've had happen in previous seasons. So, uh, but because in season one, we were taught with the swing of the sword against Ned Stark's neck that all bets are off on this show. And so I always, so I question everything. I that was question... a false promise. <laughs> well, I question everything. They said all bets are off, but since then, main characters like Tyrion have survived so many things that... Oh, and, no, and no, we'll I don't mean killing people. I just mean in general, like, that may not be true. That may not be a legitimate thing. That might not be exactly what we meant, or the thing that they're showing us may not be the thing... You know, we're supposed to draw this conclusion, and I'm not convinced that's correct. Okay. So, that's all. Just, I all question right. all kinds of stuff now right. because of that. Uh, Jamie continues his tour of meeting people. He goes to the courtyard where he bumps into Tyrion, while uh, <laughs> some people who don't care for them kind of spit at them from a distance. I really uh, want a supercut of all the Winterfell shots where two people, one person on like a raised stair connects <laughs> yes. with someone standing in the middle of the courtyard. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Every single episode at Winterfell has at least one of those, I'm sure. Do you uh, hear that, Reddit? Get on the stick. Tyrion thinks that Daenerys is so different from previous Targaryens that the Winterfellians will forgive the introduction of dragons. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Then yeah. they go up to the battlements and they look inward at the courtyard. And <laughs> Tyrion Where someone on the, the ground looks at, up at them. <laughs> yeah. At this point in the show, Tyrion says, so we're going to die at Winterfell <laughs> and considers joining the dead army so he can go rip Cersei apart. Which was the funniest. Like, that was such a great moment. I, I, it, 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 I have an appreciation for the humanness of everybody that makes a joke in this episode because there's some very entertaining stuff that happens in this episode between two people or three people. And... All of that was very nice to see that, you know, this is how some people deal with literal existential crises is 
I'm going to make a couple jokes about it first. Yeah. I miss uh, Funny Tyrion a lot. He hasn't too. been nearly as witty or quippy in recent episodes, and this nope. was such a lovely little return to form for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, then I have a little note here that when they look out at the outside of the castle, you can see Brienne in with all the people who are training. And my note is that she is standing where the character Cassandra does in Dragon Age Inquisition. Before you get the castle, <laughs> uh, if anyone has played Dragon, Inquisition, Dragon Age Inquisition as much as I have, you know uh, there's a spot where there's those tents and Cassandra is there watching the training. That's exactly where Brienne is standing. Uh, those of you playing Game of Thrones Incomparable Bingo, please check off Monty Makes Obscure Video Game Reference. Thank you. Dragon Age Inquisition <laughs> is not obscure, Brian. But the reference is... Uh. All right. So, <laughs> Jamie goes out to talk to Brienne, which makes sense. Uh, she is training Podrick, says he's gotten, gotten good, and she will be commanding the left flank. Uh, she's thrown by the way he's not insulting her, and he wants to serve <gasps> under her command... And that's about how long this scene lasts. And that's, I feel this episode, huge conversations like that are really shortened and rushed because I could have stood like 10 minutes of Jamie and Brienne oh, yeah. checking in with each other. Oh, yeah. And for the record, yeah, he totally wants to serve under her. Yeah, he does. I disagree yeah. that it's rushed because you're right. There's a ton of conversations like this in this episode, but every single one of them is 100% gold. I would rather this 60-minute episode than a two-hour-long episode where every conversation is doubled and we don't get nearly as much gold in each but scene. We, but we need... I will bring this up in a specific scene later <laughs> that I okay. felt was dramatically reduced in time for its... Uh, its importance for its magnitude yes <clears throat> yeah try to guess which one that is uh <laughs> next up uh it says here jorah mormont and daenerys targaryen yes uh, he has come around on Tyrion being named hand he was mopey at first but now he approves yes and daenerys is mad that Tyrion made a mistake because she never made a mistake not never. one <laughs> I read this scene much more about Jorah than Tyrion in a way where Jorah is not necessarily defending Tyrion. He wants the conflict to end and Daenerys to move on. I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. he still feels some animosity towards Tyrion for taking the spot of Hand of the King, but in the sense of trying to make things happen better, he wants Daenerys to forgive Tyrion more than he wants his pride of like, yes, I should have been the hand of the king. Yeah, he's kind of on the Jon Snow side of, could we all just stop arguing and get through this huge existential threat? Yeah. Please. <laughs> but I also feel like he did, like, nothing that he said was incorrect, necessarily. Uh, he would, yes, always have her best interests at heart if he were the hand and, and having to do things in the, you know as the hand of the queen. But he does point out, like, Tyrion is super smart and Tyrion uh, owned his mistakes and, you know, he absolute like, he's absolutely really good at this, has, you know, loads of mileage against other people and you are going to need him afterward. And like everything that he was saying there was sort of, to me, it was sort of, again, proving his loyalty to her and his devotion to her in that, um, yeah, I wanted it, but you made a really smart decision. And, you know, I know I'm not the hand, but let me give you a tip on another smart decision you should probably make. Yeah. He's kind of being a meta hand here. He's like, 
Yes. My advice is listen to his advice and don't just <laughs> throw him out. Uh, then, also on his advice, Daenerys goes and talks to Sansa, which seems like she should have done a little earlier. Yes. So Sansa says Tyrion was nice to her. He was the nicest of the three husbands she's had so far in that he <laughs> didn't torture her. And they kind of dance around, why aren't we getting along exactly? And it's because the North doesn't like being ruled by somebody on the Iron Throne. So what? what's your plan once you're on the Iron Throne, Daenerys? What, what's... Uh, What's the future? And before they can decide that, oh my God, it's Theon. (laughs) What surprised me about this scene was the contrast between how Daenerys treated Jaime and how Daenerys treats Sansa in that she really berates Jaime for fighting for his house when she very admittedly is all about her house and her legacy and trying to take the Iron Throne. And Mm -hmm. she can dish it out, but she can't take it. And that's what's bothering Mm -hmm. me about Daenerys. And that's absolutely what they're trying to set up, is that Daenerys isn't the person to rule because she's so wrapped up in her own head about the Targaryen legacy and her place on the Iron Throne to the point where it's getting in the way of letting Jaime fight for the North and for the living and for letting Sansa have any sort of you know, peace between her and Daenerys. Absolutely. Honestly, I was attracted by how awesome Sansa's dress looks. Oh my God, it was great. Oh, that outfit. Oh, she's so good now as the iron-willed ruler of Winterfell that she was (laughs) born to be. It's absolutely the Velvet Hammer. That's exactly what's happening right there. The person in in this context, she's the person with the least power because she has Daenerys on one hand, who's running literally everything, Jon Snow, who is officially the Warden of the North, and Arya, who's like the rogue of the group trying to kill everyone all sneakily (laughs) and stealthy. She's the one that's getting stuff done. But yeah. she has the least power on paper and socially. Like, if this was a survivor season, right. I feel like Sansa would be the lowest on the tribe. Sansa right. is the one worried about how are we going to feed all of these soldiers. Now, right. recently, there were a few documentaries about a thing called the Fire Festival. <laughs> and the most infuriating thing about those documentaries was that only one person would say things like, are we going to have enough porta potties for all these people? And everyone would shout them down. Sansa is not letting herself be shouted down. She's worried about the logistics and that makes her the most important thing. Without her, there would be no artisanal cheese sandwiches. That's right. (laughs) But do you worry? I'm a little worried that she's sort of being set up as this super smart person. Like, you know, last week we heard Arya say that Sansa is the smartest person person that she's ever met and one thing another and i'm worried that sansa is gonna fall to the same thing that Tyrion fell to you know by believing his sister and that's that she's going to believe the wrong person at the wrongest moment well i don't because we've talked about this so much now and that's what i'm that's why i'm worried about it i don't think she's that smart but I like where her priorities are. Absolutely. But we other people have talked about how, oh, she's so smart. Oh, yeah. she's so clever. Oh, you better watch out because, like, she's got all this brain power. And I'm worried that that's going to come back on her in some way. I don't know how, but I, I do. I worry about I, it. I hope not. I hope not, too. All right. But then Theon is here. Now, 
Theon gets off real easy compared to Jamie. Just as a reminder, <laughs> Theon co- took Winterfell, set fire to it, and pretended to kill Bran and Rickon. By but, also setting fire to them. Yeah, but Sansa's glad to see him, so she hugs him, and it, it's sweet. Like, I like seeing characters who have been apart for so long meet up. Mm. But he didn't get a trial or anything. It's just, oh, hey, it's Theon. Later, when they're at the uh, big round table talking strategy, and Theon says, I took this castle from you, and now I'll defend it. <laughs> I completely forgot that he took the castle. That was in season, what, three, four, five? Like, that was a real shock to me. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long ride, hasn't it? Yes. You only remember the last phase of Theon when he was reek and just getting viciously tortured. Right. And I think that's part of where uh, he and Sansa, you know, they share that because they were both terrorized by Ramsay Bolton. And so I think that's part of why uh, she was absolutely willing to let him off the hook because she knew what he'd been through and he knows what she's been through. And nobody else, no matter how much description they give, is going to ever really know that. And so her and Theon are always going to be bonded over that which is a terrible thing to be bonded over but like nobody else will ever understand what the other one of them went through except for them Sansa and Theon were the centers of the terrible assault scene at the end of season five or six and that's all I could think of when I saw this scene together was both the two of them reconciling and realize they have grown from that moment and how awful that is they are uh, since Sansa is much more of a survivor in that way but they are both survivors of Ramsay Bolton but Mm -hmm. also in a way us as an audience watching and seeing okay I really truly believe this show has grown from how garbage they were to women and uh... (laughs) oh speaking of garbage to women (laughs) I just saw the actor who played Ramsay Bolton as Mick Mars in The Dirt, the Netflix adaptation of the really? Motley Crue biography. Oh, geez. Um, I will say The Dirt, not as horrifying as the book it's based on. <laughs> but if you don't know anything about Motley Crue's personal history, then it's pretty horrifying. Pretty horrifying. <laughs> I watched the first scene of that on a train, not realizing how <laughs> X-rated it would be. What and is- I stopped after two minutes. We're off topic now, Monty. What's the next scene? Jeez. Oh. Um, Check scene... it off your uh, bingo cards, everyone. Monty makes a Montley Crew joke. <laughs> Reference. It wasn't a joke. Uh, the next scene is Davos Seaworth uh, giving soup to extras and telling them they're soldiers now. Get to the forge. Unless you're a woman, in which case, hide in the crypts. Which I will briefly say, there's no way that's a good idea. We're fighting the undead. The crypts is the last place I want to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never put that together. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind. That seems kind of bad. Yep. <laughs> uh, tiny girl says the children will be going below, but both me brothers were soldiers. I want to fight too. And then Gilly, Sam's wife, wants her in the crypt defending us. Now keep in mind that she had a very familiar looking hairstyle to Sir da- that looked very familiar to Sir Davos, and part of her face had had been scarred. So I feel like he was getting a pretty strong Shireen vibe right there. Yeah. And that's what that whole moment was about, was giving him his human moment with somebody. Absolutely. I really liked Gilly's moment with her, though. Like, absolutely, we need someone down down below to defend us. And, you know, that was okay with this little girl who went off to do it. Yeah. For a second, I I thought it was Shireen, but uh, she's dead. 
Yes. But yes, uh, having, a, having a very familiar hairstyle on a little girl who has burn scars up the side of her face was... Yeah. Yeah, there, there, was, there were some feels there. All right, then the boys from the wall are here. Here's Dolores Ed and Beric Dondarrion oh. and Tormund Giantsbane. And, and Tormund! And Sam, but he was already here. Um, and we report that the Umbers are fighting for the Night King now, which is a phrase I love. Yes. And they'll be here before the sun comes up tomorrow. And it's right about at 29 minutes into a 55-minute episode. So now things are going to get serious, except that Tormund wants to know where the big woman is. <laughs> Earlier in my notes for this episode, I wrote as a discussion point, when do you think the showdown will happen? And then literally the next scene was them saying they'll be here before the sun rises. And the other thing is that we see these last hearth people showing up after we don't know how long. I think this is another example of the show kind of pushing fast forward on a lot of the travel that really bogged down the show in early seasons where like, Mm -hmm. you know what, one episode they're here, next episode they're here, and we're just going to hand wave over that and you're going to enjoy the scenes. Yeah, well, we're told basically the war's going to fight, the war's going to start at the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. So we now have got 30 minutes of preparation. (laughs) And I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, when 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 he made that declaration, like before the sun rises tomorrow, I'm like, was that the lunch line? I'm just trying to figure out like where we are in the day that we're in, and you know when they were when uh, Davos was giving soup to people. So yeah. I think that was lunchtime. So right after lunch, we find out uh, tomorrow morning, it's on. It all looks pretty nighttime to me. These are very dark scenes. But also, it's Winterfell, and it's always yeah. gray there anyway. It's so. cold up north. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next scene: the War Council, and I just wrote down. Everyone is here. There are probably a couple people that aren't, but man, this is a lot of named characters. All right. John's plan is to focus on the Night King. Jamie says, the Night King probably won't expose himself. That'd be dumb. But Bran says, he'll be coming for me because he always know where Bran is. And that was news to everybody. So Bran's plan, I'll just hang out in the godswood and Theon will stick with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, boy. I don't think that's a great plan, personally. But I don't no. know what powers Bran has. He should be able to warg into animals. Everybody was very excited about that at some point. <laughs> but he hasn't done it in a while. Monty, yeah. I want you to warg back to season, what, four or five, whatever, with me. Back to when okay. we were slogging through all of Bran's storyline in the woods as we watched him and the other people crawl through the woods as he very, very, very slowly learned about his three-eyed <laughs> ravenness. <laughs> Why did you? Why have you taken me here, spirit? What are you showing me? <laughs> I finally feel vindicated that this is why we have this. Payoff. Well, that's why it was there, but it was so boring. <laughs> Bran is the reason that this is all going to go down, and I feel a lot better about sitting through those many episodes of them walking through the woods and trying to discover what the Three-Eyed Raven means because this was brutal. <laughs> so, what I hear you saying, Brian, is. Bran Stark is the reason for the season? Reason for the entire decade-long spring, yes. Um, Then Daenerys tells Tyrion you're not allowed to fight, even though he really wants to, because he's here to think, so shut up and get in the crypt, because you're the hand, you're not a warrior. With the women, yes. Which is correct. And then Mora Downer talk, Tormund says, we're all going to die. But at least we die together, (laughs) which is weird, because he's he's never met 90% of these people. 
No, no. His together, he was looking right at Brienne when he okay. said that. Yeah. That was his together. <laughs> was, if I can be with the big woman, all will be well, regardless of how it turns out. I think that's yep. really where he was at. And her face. The two of them in this in, in this episode were some of the best moments to me. And then uh, Tyrion has a little conversation with Bran that we don't see how it goes. But basically, Tyrion would like to know... So what's been up with you? We haven't seen each other since like <laughs> since episode two. One, yeah. And I'm. We don't know what Bran tells him. We don't know what Bran tells anybody. Then back to the courtyard, we see Grey Worm and Missande. She's trying to make small talk with children. They flee at seeing Grey Worm. He offers to go back to the beach with her and protect her after the war. That's all for them. This is a moment where you know a lot of people mention this on Twitter. Uh, People of color are not welcome in the North. It's effed up. And I really enjoyed how subtle this was and how big of an impact it made on them yeah. to yeah. to want to leave the North and go somewhere else after this because what is any of this worth if they're going to be so discriminated and hated? If this is where we are, yeah. She's from a desert. I bet she hates it up here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's terrible. But also, um, I don't think it was Grey Worm that scared them. I think it was just her. Oh, okay. I when that. I... When I looked at it, that was like what I saw was uh, exactly the same sort of welcoming attitude from Northerners that they received when they rolled into town. Yes. All right. Uh, my read was that they were talking to her, but then the scary unsullied dude loomed up and they ran. But uh, I was also taking notes the whole time, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, the next scene I'm very excited about, we can see Ghost. Standing next to Sam and John, there is a white wolf... That has about oh. four frames of animation. Okay. So that's the first time we've seen ghosts in a while. I'm really glad I... they diverted their entire dragon budget into these four shots of ghost. Oh. That was really <laughs> wonderful. Several million if, dollars, I'm sure. If only yes. the books didn't keep saying that ghost was always by John's side, I would let it go. But I won't. <laughs> There's supposed to be a lot more white wolf in this show than there has been. Yeah. It's like the McElroy saying that Stephen the goldfish is always okay unless Magnus says otherwise. <laughs> now, what are you talking about? Uh, the Adventure Zone. Hmm. What's that? <laughs> God damn it, Monty. <laughs> it's another bingo check for people. That's what it is. That, that's not Game of Thrones related. <laughs> All right, Tell so, me more about the dirt, Monty. Well, <laughs> it, it's an amazing autobiography. They make themselves sound so horrible. They Get on with t- it! There's the Ozzy Osbourne scene. Oh Get my on God. with it! All right. So Sam and John. Sam asks John, basically, so you told anyone about that giant revelation from last episode, <laughs> which was the giant revelation from last season that we're really slow rolling because we don't have the big fight yet? And he has not. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Ed stops by. Everybody wants Sam to hide in the crypt, and Sam gets justifiably ticked off because he was the first one to kill a White Walker. And this is my favorite Ed moment in this series. (laughs) Is it the one saying where Sam says, you need me out there? And Ed says, if that's true, we really are fucked. (laughs) Well, it was just after that with uh, when he, uh, what does he say? Samuel Tarly, um... Uh, slayer of walkers, lover of women, or something like that. Like, this is where we are right now. I don't yeah. remember exactly how he put it, but yeah, that part. And that was just kind of a fun, first telling us, no, nobody knows yet, but also 
the boys from the Night's Watch are kind of a thing, and they check in. Uh, next, we're back with Tyrion and Jamie at the fire, which is a good place to be. Yes. Uh, Tyrion jokes about Tywin seeing his sons about to die defending Winterfell. So that's more, uh, I don't even want to call it foreshadowing because it's right on the nose of characters saying we're going to die. Yes. Brienne and Pod stop by. Tyrion offers some wine and Pod is allowed a half cup, although Tyrion sneaks him a little extra. (laughs) Brienne will not have any because she is so lawful good it hurts. Uh, Davos and Tormund also stop by. And this is where you see who the like expert campaigners are. They went and found a fire. I totally <laughs> believe that guys like Tormund and Davos were like, all right, so we got like four hours before the fight. I'm going to go get warm somewhere. Yes. Uh, Tormund brought a giant horn that when he drinks from it gets all over his face, <laughs> which is super accurate. Those Joy things are milk. impossible to drink from. You have to twist them just the right way or they will just suddenly splash you. And uh, he tells a little story about how he called game called Giant's Bane, which is he killed a giant when he was 10, got into bed with the giant's wife, and was then suckled for three months. On giant's milk. Giant's at milk. Ten, at 10. <laughs> yeah, that's and, not weird. And now he's super into Brienne, who he calls the big woman. The big woman. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't put that together. Oh, I, I, I'm almost angry that you put that together for me, Monster. Thank you. For I stand by that. <laughs> so here's he the thing. Def- I think this sequence of scenes in this room with the fire, with everyone sitting around, are the greatest scenes Game of Thrones has ever done. Because I'm super on, into them. Because on one hand... The characters in the show realize their own mortality. They're talking about the fact that they're going to freaking die because of all these White Walkers. They know they're close to the end. On the other hand, we as the audience know we're close to the end because we have four episodes left. I love that the show has a reason to do all of this fan service and payoff and wonderful scenes and ridiculous dialogue because it makes sense in-universe. My barometer for perfect television is Breaking Bad. And my biggest problem with the Breaking Bad finale is I feel like it just ends in a way. There's some wrap-up to the story, but I feel like it just happens because it had to happen. In-universe, in Game of Thrones, they give a reason for why everyone is waxing poetic about death and their relationships in the past and how far they've come, etc. Because the show is ending, and we also feel that, and I love being on that level with the characters. I've never felt that close to a character in this moment. Game of Thrones has characters with a long history together. Their histories all intertwine, and they've all got things they can look back on. Game of Thrones all took place in, like, 18 months. You mean Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, yes, sorry. Yeah. So there wasn't... I don't think that show could really get away with people just sitting there and go, boy, it's been a long, ridiculous road, hasn't it? But so (laughs) many of these scenes are people saying that. Yeah. Like Arya and Sandor. I'm calling him Sandor because he, he is not the hound anymore. No, he's not. He's just hanging out by a tent. <laughs> and I loved their first conversation together in the last episode when they when they meet up briefly. And you know what they were saying was like, I'm really surprised to see you. I'm really surprised to see you too. You're looking well. And they have this like whole other conversation that is not the words they actually say to each other, which I loved. And then they have this one on the wall. 
Yeah. And this one, she's basically saying, why are you going to fight for someone besides yourself? Which I don't think is fair because when he was the hound, he was doing what Joffrey said. And he says, I fought for you, didn't I? Beric stops by, who used to be on Arya's list, and she doesn't care anymore. And I think that's <laughs> huge growth. I'm really interested to know who she's still planning on killing. Oh, I think it, there's only one name left on her list. Just Cersei? I think so. Hmm? Well, I think she's probably dispensed with the others. And then once we get through this, uh, I think her list is, if there's anyone else on her list, I don't think she's going to care. I think there's only going to be one person left on it. I also don't cool. think she's going to be the person to kill Cersei if Cersei dies, because everyone else is now on the F Cersei train. Like, it would be amazing <laughs> if she had that moment, but I honestly think there are people who have more initiative and more access that are going to oh, be the people to kill her. Can those people change their faces the way Arya can? Because mm. that's a super good inter- infiltration tactic. You know what? That's super valid, and I stand corrected. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like... Uh, it's entirely possible that someone else could assist Arya in in helping kill Cersei because it would also help them in some way, whoever that other person may be. Uh, but uh, are we theorizing? Can I tell you my theory on Cersei? Yeah, Go right Cersei? ahead. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. My theory on Cersei is that it is Jaime who kills her, and it may not necessarily be because he stands there and does something. It's like as a result of his action or inaction, something happens that causes her to die, but he is directly responsible for it. That's my So he violates the third law of Lannister Tronics. (laughs) I think that's the most dramatically satisfying because he's got the most personal relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And also hmm, he's killed a king before. Like him Mm -hmm. killing Daenerys' father kicked off this whole series of nonsense. Yep. But I don't trust this show not to, you know, have Cersei die falling off a wall or something. Yeah, but that's my theory is that it's because of him in some way. Sure. I like it. Uh, next, Arya goes down into the crypts to practice some archery, just like in episode one. <laughs> and Gendry has brought her weapon. Also, he mentions he's Robert Baratheon's bastard and tells her about that time Melisandre did horrible things to her. And then she says, it's time to have sex, and they have sex. This is a scene that I feel <laughs> could have gone a little bit longer for the importance it has to major characters and their emotional state. Really? You wanted more of this? I could yes. have used another 30 seconds of their chemistry, because the two of them together are so delightful to watch. But also, um, yeah, a little bit of discussion of if we're really going to talk about you know, who gets to sit on the throne, like, I have a re- I have as reasonable a claim as anybody else who has a claim. Yeah. I was and- watching this with uh, my friend who, when this scene started, he was like, oh, they're going to do it. I was like, what? <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Of course they're not. It's Arya we're talking about. Was she? Oh, that's happening. Well, okay. Oh, yeah. I-, I-, I truly did not think that would happen, but I stand corrected, and it was a nice moment for Arya to be like, I'm taking control of my destiny. We're doing this. Mm. Mm-hmm. What we see of her later, I'm not convinced it was that great a moment. Well, not- she did put it to him like, I'm checking a box here. Yeah. Can we get on with it? Yeah. <laughs> she is a sociopath. 
Yes. The other thing is that her weapon that I thought would be a lot more interesting based on the speculation and bizarre sketch from last episode (laughs) is just a staff. But it makes sense because her weapon of choice at the House of Black and White a few seasons ago was Was a staff. staff. So she's good with it. It screws together or apart or something. There's a piece. It, there, yeah, par- some part of it comes off in and to what end we do not know. She's basically dragging glass Darth Maul at this point. Yes. Yeah, she's going to do a thing that happens in a lot of kung fu movies where you're like, "Haha, my staff is a three-part staff. What you're going to do now?" Yeah, there's like the other end of it is the part that's a mystery whether you can whether it's a projectile that launches or it's some sort of knife or something like we're not going to find out the rest of what her weapon can do until until it's it does on. something awesome until it's on yeah all right next back to the people at the fire well Brienne says at least we'll die with honor which is the only thing she's ever cared about and then T- <laughs> Tyrion of all people is the first person to say i think we might live and that's nice to think and then we get this great scene where oh. Brienne claims that she never wanted to be a knight, which is such a lie. And Jamie says, no, we're not doing that. And he knights her. You can hear her going through those motions because it's what she's tried to convince herself of basically forever. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that she doesn't believe it, but she's saying it in that tone that's like, if I say it enough, I'll think it's true, even though it's not. And then that moment with Jamie was, I teared up. I admit it. Yeah. This is it also was... probably the first time she was externally validated for all these feelings because she's basically yes. a knight. But this is yeah. the first time that anyone was ever like, no, you are actually a knight. The, anyone ever looked at her and went, yeah, you're totally a knight. And I it think, was great. Wasn't she a knight for Renly? She was the head of his crown scar. That's pretty I, close. I mean, yeah, but not in the way that, you know, she she didn't feel this many emotions yeah. about right. that. And neither did I, really. That's because <laughs> she didn't have as big a crush on Renly as she ever did That's on Jamie. Right. And she never, like, I feel like part of the thing with this is that whatever she's got for Jamie was, like, something she never thought was an option and never really considered and never flirted with any anybody or anything like that and never really thought that this was a thing that would be for her and so feeling all of this for this guy and then having this guy absolutely validate her right down to the ground by by giving her knighthood i thought that was super great and i'm really excited that we get to call her sarah brienne for yeah. the rest of the season that is so so great and i also loved that it was Tormund that kicked it off because i'm team hmm. Tormund when it comes to brienne yeah, and I really I loved that not only was he the one that said, "What does it matter about tradition?" but then also was like the first person to to clap for her after it happened yeah. and, and and be happy for her. And I want to talk really briefly about the words that uh, Jamie said while knighting her. It was, "In the name of the warrior, I charge you to be brave. In the name of the father, I charge you to be just. In the name of the mother, I charge you to defend the innocent." And those are all things that Brienne does. All the time. Yeah, like, she's been doing... It, yeah, I was like, since season one, since season yeah. three. <laughs> like, brave, just defend the innocent. If the, if this is what your knights are supposed to be doing, absolutely. So that yes. was a really nice moment. And it was followed by what might be Brienne's first smile of the entire series. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about this is that we've had many scenes in Game of Thrones where there's giant crowds of people clapping and cheering and being super happy about things. 
for some reason, a room of seven people clapping felt so much more important and big to me than any of those giant swaths of crowd. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was super into that episode, into that scene. Uh, the next scene, you all remember uh, Lady Liana Mormont, the awesome little girl? <gasps> I love her. Jora Mormont wants her to hide underground. She's like, I'm absolutely not doing that. <laughs> Have you met me, Jora? And, yeah. And this is a thing where we get to re- be reminded how these people are related. Because Jora yes. was not around while she was being awesome, Liana Mormont. And then Sam shows up and says, basically, so I know your father, who was Lord Commander Mormont of the Night's Watch. He was great. And I have this cool, awesome sword. I can't really use it. Why don't you take it? I really liked that moment between them when Sam, you know, the way Sam set it up, he was like, you know, one of the things your dad taught me was, you know, how to do the right thing and and to know what. You know, and to be like to know what the right thing is to do and then to be able to do it. And I'm not a defender and this Valerian steel should be in your hands, not mine. I do think it's interesting that everybody can recognize Valerian steel so quickly. Like you wouldn't think a particular type of steel would stand out. It's like they're all in the Bronze Age and Valerian steel is the only <laughs> actual steel. So people are like, oh, that's that gray metal. We have to watch out for that. Now, one of my other theories is that the that because Gendry has such a forging talent and weapon talent, and we've heard that like people can't make more Valerian steel anymore, it's been lost or something, that somehow like Sam's gonna read it in a book or Gendry's gonna find it on accident and be able to make more Valerian steel. I have that theory. I I like that theory in principle, but I don't know that we have enough episodes left to put it into practice. Well, if we spend as much time on it as we did Arya helping herself to Gendry, then yeah, we got time. <laughs> That's true. They do seem to have plenty of dragon glass. All right. The next thing that happens, uh, Tyrion, we're getting close to the end of the episode. Tyrion asks, who wants to lead the group in a song? And the answer is nobody. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Podrick does. And then we see various scenes of, like, Sansa and Theon having a drink. Arya and Gendry, post-sex. And this is where I feel like she doesn't actually look like that was that super an experience for her. Then we see Missande and Grey Worm kissing. We see Jorah. And we see the crypts. And finally, it's time to push this plot another step forward. John is at Lyanna Stark's spot in the crypts. Danny, Danny comes down and says, yeah, My brother Rhaegar, everybody says he was decent and kind. He liked to sing. He gave money to poor children. And he raped her. And John takes the cue and says, Actually, they were married. And I'm Aegon Targaryen and I'm the heir? Uh... I think it's interesting that Daenerys doesn't just take his word for it. She accurately points out that his best friend Sam and his brother Bran are maybe not totally unbiased uh, reporters. It's weird that Jon says Bran told him this when Bran very specifically did not tell him this. He made Sam do all the work. (laughs) Yes. But then, just as the uh, disagreement is about to boil over, the horns are going. Here come the bad guys. There's a skeleton horse. There are white walkers. It's on. 
Now, I thought that was that moment was interesting because I sort of felt like Danny reacted to the news the same way John did, which was to find all these ways it isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't really have time to fully process this. Like, so are you the heir and not me? How much does that matter? Should we be having right. sex all this time? Uh, oh, anyway, let's go fight. So who's going to survive next episode? Who's not going to survive? They got to start killing people off, right? I think it's time. I think Tyrion dies. Oh, I think he makes it to the end. I was told all bets were off. Yeah, I know all bets are off, but I do think that I I don't know how, but I feel like he makes it to the end. All right. Oh, so throw out a name. One name, who's dying? In the next episode. Next episode, which I okay. believe is called The Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> the Battle of Winterfell. Surely... Somebody with a name. And oh, yes. you know, all these people have names. We've got Gilly. We've got Liana Mormont. Oh, it's not Liana. Uh, I don't want to condemn anybody. <laughs> um, I think probably Pod. Okay. Uh, noble, uh, noble Stand. He gets to show how he is an awesome fighter now, but he dies saving Brienne or something. Yeah. That's I cool. think. I think, however, yeah, he, he goes in some, like, heroic honorable way yeah i think it's something like that yeah brian condemn someone to death (laughs) here's the thing i don't think that the deaths are going to happen in the last episode i'm pretty positive that the format for the rest of the season and hey wild speculation time (laughs) this is going to be fun i believe that episode three is going to be this massive battle at winterfell episode four is going to be a soft quiet Calm Before the Storm, table-setting episode. In Game of Thrones tradition, the penultimate episode, episode five, will be another massive episode. That's where I think everyone's going to die. I think that, at the very least, Tyrion will die. After his talk of death in this episode, I'm pretty positive that he's going to have to die after that mention of how he wanted to die before, but he's not going to die like that. I'm pretty sure that Tyrion is going to be one of the people to go. Uh, I also think that it's going to be an ultimate showdown between Jon and Daenerys. And I don't know which one of them is going to win, but I think one of them is going to die. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap up our coverage of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, entitled The Rightful Queen. I am again Monty Ashley. Brian, say goodbye. It was good talking to you two, uh, and now our watch has started. Beautiful. Kelly, also say goodbye. And now our watch begins. And goodbye from me. See everybody next week. <laughs>